0: Here on WWLAMFM.com and the Odyssey app, we are going to dive right back in on the Saints as as we should, even though it's not the NFL season and we just won't stop talking about it. Uh, and we're going to go to the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Joining me now from Locked on Saints is the host, Ross Jackson. Ross, how you doing? Have you recovered from your Madriga hangover yet? Is my question
1: uh i my secret was just don't stop so i'm doing great i'm doing great <laughs> glad to be here buddy thanks for having me on <laughs> it's
0: mardi gras every day for uh mr ross right. jackson over there but you know i guess we'll just go vague for uh this first question here the saints have made a handful of hires already none of them officially announced but we know several of them rick dennison looks like they're gonna hire as the run game coordinator you have andrew Janoco mm-hmm. as the quarterback's Coach, a couple other hires that we have seen announced. What are your kind of initial reactions to uh, these names as they've uh, filtered out?
1: Yeah, look, I think I think they're making good hires here. I think that you know what you're doing in, is that you're bringing in an offensive system that is built with a bunch of guys that are very familiar with one another, and I, I think that's a smart decision. Like it, the thing that's always so challenging about sort of the the double-edged sword of bringing in the new offensive coordinator is that, yay, very exciting. You're, you're trying to upgrade and improve the offense. But then, ooh, you also have to kind of learn a new system, and there's the growing pains and all those other things. So I like what the Saints are doing here in terms of finding the offensive system that they, wanting, that they want, identify that OC, the guy that could bring that there. They did that. Clint Kubiak, that's the guy. And then they bring in you know, Rick Dennison, who has spent time with – him with his dad, Gary Kubiak, and with Kyle Shanahan, you bring in John Benton, who has spent time with Gary Kubiak, with Kyle Shanahan, and Clint Kubiak, so on and so forth. So you're finding these guys, Janako, doing, you know, working with both as well. And so you're bringing in all these people that kind of like create the sort of guise of um, cohesion, um, even though it's still a new system that's going to be coming in, sort of this blend of Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, I would imagine. And so I think that's a really wise move. And I think that they brought in guys that that are proven developers uh, so far. Let's just see if they can do it here in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing to me is like all these names, or at least most of these names, are guys coming from that Viking scheme, you know, the the yeah. twenty twenty even Clancy Barone, right? He and Andrew Andrew <laughs> were code offensive line coaches on that twenty eighteen staff they took over after Tony Sperano died. And Rick Dennison yep. actually took the offensive line coach from those <laughs> two guys. So that trio My favorite connection of that group. Yeah, it's, together, a, it's such a way. kind of a very, very small circle. But, you know, the, the, they know the offensive line of the Vikings. They have to play the Vikings. They're going to have some insight. But, you know, yeah. I, I guess when you look at Kubiak, and it is interesting because I think people are very enamored with the Kyle Shanahan influences, and there will be influences. He's going to come in. He's going to have some ideas that he picked up with the 49ers. But I, it kind of feels like when you look at it, if you want to kind of figure out how, how – Clint Kubiak is going to get this thing off the ground. The Vikings have to be the place to start. Would you would you disagree with that?
1: No, not at all. I think that's the place to start. And then you add in some of the additional context of working with a Kyle Shanahan for a year and how that could influence or color a little bit about what it is that they do. But you think about the Gary Kubiak offense, which right. was successful in the NFL all in its own right. Uh, Kyle Stefanski is still using a version of it or some tenets of it in um, in, in Cleveland, just one coach of the year again, right? And so. I think you know. You look at the, that Gary Kubiak, which one of the big tenets of that offense is get really, really good at the play at the teams that are, or excuse me, at the plays that are the DNA of your identity. What are those half a dozen to a dozen plays that you could do at any point? Playing the songs that you know, as Drew Brees and Sean Payton used to say. Then you add into that sort of your ability to be able to take those songs and I'm going to extend the musical metaphor a little bit, remix them a little bit based upon now what you know from working with Kyle Shanahan, deploying those same plays out of different personnel groups, different formations, with motion, without motion, motion to get into certain looks, things like that, motion to identify coverage, to create mismatches, all those things like Frank Kubiak, one to great mismatches and his time with Kyle Shanahan will help him be able to further that. But I still think that there's going to be a little bit of a, Hey, look, these are the plays that create the identity or the DNA of the new Orleans Saints offense. And then there are tendency breakers that are a part of that. And there are additional wrinkles, looks, eye candy misdirection that comes from that Shanahan influence. So I do think it's going to be actually be a blend of both. It's not just going to be a one for one copy of the Kyle Shanahan offense. Coming to New Orleans, which is not out of the ordinary. Mike McDaniel, when he left San Francisco and went to Miami, he brought the Kyle Shanahan influence, but it's not necessarily Kyle Shanahan's system over there. Matt Lafleur in New York did the same thing. Uh, you know, Mike Lafleur when he went to Green Bay, he had stops before all of those pieces. So I think that it is going to be some type of a blend uh, of concepts that we you know we've watched the NFL do since the '80s uh, and concepts that they're doing in 2024 and then wrinkles in between, and I I think that's what you're looking for.
0: So, Ross, two of the new assistants added, as Jeff said, none of them are technically official. John Benton, the offensive line coach, and Rick Dennison, the running game coordinator, two guys that have 20-plus years of experience in the NFL. The offensive line obviously was a huge issue this past season. There's plenty of question marks this offseason, but you're going to get two experienced guys to go fix it. I just want to get your thoughts on these early hires.
1: Yeah, I think those are two key hires in that early sort of collection of names that we're expecting to take those gigs. And, and, and the reason being is that like you can look at John Benton's sort of track record when he arrived in Houston. They were struggling to keep their quarterback clean. They weren't able to get the run game going. And then they became one of the teams that was allowing the least amount of sacks and had you know Arian Foster going crazy for three years in a row, leading the NFL in rushing yards one year, rushing touchdowns another year. All that. You look at his work with the San Francisco 49ers, who same thing, they were allowing a lot of sacks, they didn't have a great run game. Then the run game became their entire identity while Benton was in town. Then he goes to New York with Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, <laughs> over in uh, over with the Jets. They get one this fantastic, Yeah, one of those guys. They get this fantastic start to the season with Brees Hall. Then Brees Hall goes down with a season-ending knee injury when he was looking like an Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate throughout the early portion of the year. And so you can sort of track the impact of a John Bitten. You can kind of do the same thing with a Rick Dennison as well. He does a very good job of developing offensive linemen and coordinating the run game, which would effectively be his title uh, or is expected to be his title. I think that those two guys in particular are the ones That kind of give you three of the like two of the three things that I think you're going to see improved this off season or this season, which would be the run game and the offensive line, assuming that the execution of the system is there. The third thing being like simplifying the game for Derek Carr and, and the game just becoming a little bit more kind of second nature for everybody around. Um, and that comes with simplifying things and, you know, the Gary Kubiak of it all, all those kinds of deals and, and simplifying the, the field reads and all that. So uh, I think that like those are the, the couple of the guys that I think bring in some of that pedigree that show you, okay, there's some good positive projections to be made and then, of course, got to wait to see if it's all gonna all gonna come together.
0: Yeah, you know, just shifting shifting gears here a little bit you know, from the coaching staff to the players. You know, one thing that Charlie and I were talking about off air that that is interesting. And you look at the wide receiver room. I think. You kind of—I don't know what the term would be—pencil out. Like you hit the eraser on Mike Thomas in terms of it. Just seemed like his tenure with the Saints is over. There, could change. You never know. But I think you look at this wide receiver room and you kind of project it going forward without him, without his name on that depth chart. And I guess mm-hmm. my question is: You look at this wide receiver room with with Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, all these guys. Do you look at Chris Olave and see a true number one and an X? You know, or or do you think this Saints team needs to add a piece? Because it does kind of feel like you're putting a lot on his plate, and I don't know if you have that big-bodied physical wide receiver that you probably need to succeed at a a high level uh, in the passing game.
1: Thank you so much for clarifying (laughs) that question, of the number one with the X. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you just saved me like six minutes. <laughs> so the the thing about it is that, like, is Chris Olave an X receiver? I don't know that he is. Can he be a number one option in your offense? Right. Sure, of course. Like, we wa- we watched that over the course of the past couple of years, including his rookie season. Uh, but I still think that you want to find that X Split end, weak side, big-bodied, six foot two, six foot three, two hundred plus pound wide receiver. Could that be At Perry? Sure, it could Mm -hmm. be. But do you want to continue to invest in the position when you've only got two, probably three, right wide receivers on the roster? Because Rasheen he's a restricted free agent, so like they don't even have to talk to each other, and he's on the team. Uh, so you know, you can call it three three receivers going into next year. And so AT Perry could potentially develop to be that guy, but I think like that X receiver spot, which is sort of that corner one of those cornerstones of your passing game, they can go out there and get the physical yards, they can run, you know, the quick routes and you know, all that and, and, and make no mistake about it. Like even a full on Kyle Shanahan offense still wants to get the ball out quickly uh, of the quarterback's hands. And so I do think that you still need to continue to, to take swings and invest there. There are some free agents that you could potentially go after that might be able to fill that role. The the dream guy is probably T Higgins in this year's uh, class that would fit that mold. Are you going to get up in new Orleans? Probably not, but you've got good options in this year's draft as well. Xavier Leggett out of, uh, out of uh, South Carolina, he's six foot one, but he's still one of those guys that plays above the rim really well. Uh, Keon Coleman out of Florida State and others, so even a Brian Edwards out of LSU. Oh, no, I know. Oh, I said the LSU to, to New Orleans draft thing. But like there are those receivers out there that fit those molds and would be able to come in and do that. So I do think that that's a spot that you want to continue to swing at because the X receiver mold is. A specific conversation that's different than the number one option in your offense. So Chris Olave could be your number one option, but you probably still want that big physical, six foot three, six foot two wide receiver that can go out there and box somebody out and win those those quick and contested matchups for you. And I think that that's the piece that you're missing if Michael Thomas does indeed depart, as we expect.
0: Yeah, I do think it's it is funny because people say wide receiver one, and I think a lot of times they're talking about this in terms of fantasy stats, but not yeah. and not in terms of okay, this is how the offense operates. You need someone who right. can go win one on one. You know, I, I kind of yeah. compare it to uh, when Odell Beckham Jr. was coming up with the Giants, and he was this you know superstar flashy guy, but there were just things he couldn't do, and you had to find a way around that. And and I think that is mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. I'm, I'm curious. So you, you mentioned a few guys. I think you said Brian Edwards. It's Brian Thomas. That's... Brian Thomas, I'm a dummy. Sorry about that. <laughs> Brian Edwards was here. No, but he fits that role. <laughs> and he Ross. went to South Carolina yeah. and you mentioned Xavier Leggett from South Carolina who I did see at the Senior Bowl. I did like him a lot. You know, is there anyone mm-hmm. coming out in this draft that you're just in love with that you look at and you say, "Man, if he's on the board, I'm going to run up to the podium and make that pick?" Is it specific to wide receiver or anything? No, just in general. Yeah, number 14, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the boring one real quick. Yep. Olu the offensive tackle out of Penn State. I mean, the dude is just Insanely good. He's incredibly athletic, and you know, as much as we talk about the passing game for that Shanahan influence and that Kubiak influence and everything that, the run game has to set the tone and all that. And so, when you're looking at a run game that wants to be more athletic, where you're going to attack gaps as opposed to attacking the players on the opposite side of you as a blocking assignment. So that's a difference between zone run and, and, and man or gap run schemes. It, you want the athleticism. You need guys that can come off the snap and get somewhere very quickly, get up field, get to the second level, get to the third level, all those things um, illegally, legally get to the third <laughs> level. And so I think that like, there's all of those pieces that, you know, would also kind of blend in there. So only for me is like, the pinnacle offensive linemen to potentially add uh, to this team at 14. Uh, if I'm looking at, you know, the other side of the football, game, the defensive side, I love the pass rushers that are at the top of this draft or at the top half of the first round, Jared versus Dallas Turner or Leatu Latu. Um, Jared Verse from Florida state, Dallas Turner from Alabama, and then Leatu Latu from UCLA. Those three guys, uh Burson, Latu in particular, fit the mold, right? 6'4", six, 6'3", six, plus 250, 200 plus pounds. Uh, whereas Dallas Turner is a little bit more of the smaller guy. But I think that we've seen between Cade Nellis, as well as, of course, Zach Vaughn last year, that maybe that smaller speed rusher is worth adding to the otherwise bigger bodied prototype. And so any of those guys, I, I might, I might consider a little bit of a uh, a sprint to the podium, but Pashanu uh, is like the, the guy for me to where I'm like, yeah, if he's there, sprint to the sprint there, knock down Roger. Here's the, here's the card, say the name, you know, at 14.
0: Yeah. Knock down Roger either way. No one, no one to complain. <laughs> these big I think that's a winning, uh, a winning idea. Uh, however you get to it, you know, Ross, my only, my only question I have left is, uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I know you, you got to do the podcast every day. That's what Lockdown saints means. It's all day, every day, whatever. How are you handling this off season? You got, you have any big plans? Do you have any vacations you're getting on?
1: No, absolutely not. No, no days off. We don't do days off over here. No, I, I, I have some vacation plans and things like that, but I'll still be doing the show while I'm there. It's not it's not a vacation. It's a trip, you know what I'm saying? So I'll be doing like things like that. But no, man, look, I, I love being able to cover this team on a daily basis, as I'm sure you guys do too. It, it, there's always something going on, for better or for worse sometimes, and then the other piece of it, too, is that like this team is one that's always working, that's always doing something. It's contract restructures. It's changing of the offensive staff. It's changing of the defensive staff. It's player acquisition, whatever it might be. There's always something going on with this team, and it makes our jobs, I think, a lot easier when it comes to covering these like daily, doing these daily things. than maybe some of my colleagues out there that have to cover teams that don't like to spend their money and things like that. <laughs> So like it's it's fantastic. I absolutely love it. Uh, and we'll we'll continue to be here every single uh, Monday through Friday, all throughout the off season. No off season for us over here, for sure.
0: All right, for all things New Orleans Saints, subscribe to Locked On Saints on the Odyssey app. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ross Jackson, he does a great job. Thanks so much for the time, man. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. Take care. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you here soon. Thanks, Ross.